0: A reading from Matthew. As Jesus continued on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a kiosk for collecting taxes. He said to him, follow me, and he got up and followed him. As Jesus sat down to eat in Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners joined Jesus and his disciples at the table. But when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. Go and learn what this means. I want mercy and not sacrifice. I didn't come to call righteous people, but sinners. This is the word of the Lord. While Jesus was speaking to them, a ruler came and knelt in front of him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and place your hand on her, and she'll live. So Jesus and his disciples got up and went with him. Then a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years came up behind Jesus and touched the hem of his clothes. She thought, If only I touch his robe, I'll be healed. When Jesus turned and saw her, he said, Be encouraged, daughter. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that time on. When Jesus went into the ruler's house, he saw the flute players and the distressed crowd. He said, go away because a little girl isn't dead but is asleep. But they laughed at him. After he had sent the crowd away, Jesus went in and touched her hand and the little girl rose up. News about this spread throughout that whole region. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Um, if any kids want to come up front, they can. <laughs> come on! Move that over. Yeah, you can just sit like that. I'm going to sit up here. I'm going to tell a little bit of a story because that was a lot. Did that was a? I mean. I think everyone would agree that was a lot of things that just happened in that passage. We might want to go over it one more time. <laughs> yeah. Those like look like beehives. Oh my goodness, those big lights up there do look like beehives. You are absolutely right. Um, any other kids want to come up? You don't have to if you don't want to. Okay. Um, I, am, I do have something in my bag that I'm going to hand out at the end, so. That might be a reason you might want to come up. Um, it's it's nothing too exciting, I promise. But um, so, in Godly Play, when no, it's not a toy, I promise. Um, in Godly Play, when we did the Faces of Easter, do you remember when we did Faces of Easter in Godly Play during Lent? Okay, and so one of the things that we learned about was Jesus's work, and in the godly play lesson about Jesus crossing back over the river after he'd had his time in the desert, said he he began his work, but what was his work? Well, his work was to come close to people, especially people that no one else wanted to come close to. And when Jesus came close to people, do you remember what happened? When Jesus comes close to people, they change. They could see things they'd never seen before. They could do things they had never done before. They became well. So in this story today, the story that we just heard, Jesus comes close to all kinds of people. First, he comes close to Matthew, who was a tax collector. Now, Do you know what a tax collector is? No. Okay. so in Bible times, a tax collector is someone who took people's money and gave it to the Roman government and then took a little extra and kept it for himself. Um, So he kind of, sort of, stole money for a living. People did not like him. Um, But when Matthew comes close to Jesus, he is changed. And then Matthew's friends all want to come close to Jesus. So imagine it. Jesus and all these people who are known as those people over there that do bad things are all having dinner together like their old friends. And then the Pharisees are people... Do you know what a Pharisee is? No, we don't know what Pharisees are. You guys probably have heard the term. But they're people who tried as hard as they could to love God with their whole heart and their whole mind and their whole soul and their whole strength and they were really, really careful to always do the right thing. And the Pharisees could not understand why Jesus was hanging out with all these people that did bad things. So they asked him. They couldn't help it. They just had to know. How in the world can you be a man of God and be so close to people who do bad things? And then Jesus said something really strange. He said healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. I am with the ones who need me the most. But Matthew and his friends didn't have broken arms or colds or the flu or anything like that. Their bodies were healthy, but their hearts and their souls were sick. And Jesus offered them love and acceptance and a way to live that didn't hurt others. Speaking of hurting others, probably shouldn't lay on the steps. Yeah, okay. I don't want anyone to get hurt. Okay, so Jesus was just starting, so Jesus has already come close to Matthew, he's already come close to Matthew's friends, and now he's trying to explain to the Pharisees why, um, how their thinking needed to change about what was important to God, and then as he's trying to talk to the Pharisees, someone else runs up and needs help. Do you know, do you remember who it was? (gasps) Do Do you, you kind of do? A little bit. A little bit? It was the leader of the synagogue and he comes up. And so the leader of the the synagogue would be a really holy man. Um, And he comes up and he says, Jesus, my daughter has just died, but I think that you can come and heal her And so Jesus gets up, and he's ready to help the next person. Um, And as he's on the way to help this little girl, you know what happens? Somebody else needs help. I'm pretty much... (laughs) (laughs) So there's this woman who's had a problem with bleeding for 12 years. Yeah, and she has the courage to come close to Jesus to get healing, but... She's too scared to actually speak to him. And you know what she does? She sneaks up behind him, and she just touches the edge of his clothes. Because she's like, if I can just touch the edge of Jesus' clothes, then I'll be healed. And she was. But Jesus knew that she had done that. She, he knew that he was there. So he turned around, and he looked at her and talked to her and encouraged her and said your faith has made you well. So the woman is physically healed by Jesus, but then she also is accepted and encouraged even though she was scared to talk to him, and that helped heal her heart. So, finally, Jesus gets to the synagogue leader's house, clears all the guests out. And cuz I mean they're all really sad this little girl has died, but she but he he clears them all out and then he goes up to the girl and he takes her hand and you know what happens? What? The little girl wakes up and revives. And revives. She's alive again. Hey, guess what? Can you imagine how excited that everybody in that house was? Their, their their little girl had died and she was alive again. Wait, so, but
0: Jesus was the only
1: one. Well, Jesus made her alive again, which was really amazing. They were all so excited. So in this story, Jesus is coming close to all kinds of people, whether they needed to be made well in their bodies like the little girl or the woman, or in their hearts. One second. Or in their hearts, like Matthew and his friends, or in their minds, like the Pharisees. So what I have in my bag is some pipe cleaners. I have a lot of pipe cleaners, actually. Um, And so if you want to take some pipe cleaners, and if other kids, hold on a second. If other kids want to grab them, that's fine too. Yeah, so I'm going to give you a few pipe cleaners, um, and if you want to, you can make a person to remind you of all the different kinds of people that Jesus came close to, or maybe you want to make something else to remind you of the story today. So while I hand out pipe cleaners, I'm going to let Chris come forward.
2: I don't have any props for everyone else, unfortunately. Um, I remember the the first um, internship I did in seminary um, was at a church that had a children's sermon, and um, uh, I had never experienced that before. And uh, like my supervisor um, wasn't super attentive the whole summer, but um, definitely like gave me the elbow. It's like. The children's sermon is not really for the kids so something to keep in mind this summer um, reading the anthology of these Jesus encounters and hearing Jesus's description of his purpose coming close to people who can only be described as least last lost, littlest or closest to death I can't help but wonder I think wonder is a really good register for how to engage scripture, not, not come to it with um, uh, surgical devices or laboratory equipment, but to come to scripture wondering, this is something that, oh, kids via godly play know a ton about. And some of us grownups need to relearn. Because wondering helps us to imagine ourselves in the story. This isn't a new way to engage scripture. There are all of these uh, ancient scripture practices where where you are challenged to find a character or multiple characters in a story um, to inhabit and to embody and to imagine. Uh, I think when we get a little more adept at that, it helps us image Jesus in our lives and also it helps us to see him when he shows up here and now. So I wonder, I wonder what it means to be sick. That seems to be kind of a a nub of of these stories. I wonder if being sick is a prerequisite for meeting Jesus. Does Jesus only show up to sick people? What if I don't feel sick all the time? Are we all sick? Is it mean for someone to try to tell me that I'm sick when I don't feel the symptoms yet or at all? Do I need to volunteer for that diagnosis or should a doctor make a house call to help me know that I am not well? I've been thinking a lot about all of these sorts of questions um, lately because I'm, I'm teamed up with a group of neighbors to help another neighbor who needs a lot of help. She's. Elderly, she has some health problems, she's isolated, she's really vulnerable and at risk in several different ways. She gets um, people trying to take advantage of her because she lives in a house in like a valuable, desirable neighborhood, and they, they want to do nice things for her, like have her revo- reverse mortgage her home to them and stuff like that. Um, this group of neighbors has come around her and helped her quite a bit been really inspiring i was a latecomer to this group that assembled during covid and they they've really learned how to love and serve this stranger just because she's our neighbor her proximity made her not a stranger but a neighbor but this neighbor doesn't always know how to accept help she really sometimes doesn't even know how much help she really needs like a lot of these neighbors make things happen for her There are some things that need to happen also for her to get more help and more sustainable help that sometimes she's unwilling to access. Some helpers are frustrated. Many of us don't know how to be her friend, how to love her, but not enable her, how to speak truth and love, but also how to not let her slip through the cracks, right? You can see this is really complicated stuff, this whole loving our neighbor thing. So... I wonder how Jesus might show up to people like her. I wonder what words Jesus would say to her. I wonder how he might serve her and care for her better than she even knew how to ask for or to expect. I wonder how being known and loved, she might realize how much she needed to be known and loved before or instead of being able to ask for it or even know how sick or in need she was. I think that's kind of what these stories in Matthew's gospel are about. You see, in each of these stories, Jesus is, is magnetic. People are drawn to him. In the words of a, a recent television finale, Jesus is like a pain sponge in these stories, right? He sops up hurt and need of others who are hurting and needful in this world. His presence and his address, though, to each of them is kind of customized to to who they are and what they need. Each particular person gets a particular Jesus as he encounters them. Pastor Meg told the story about Matthew, who's like a grubby tax man. Like, um, I really thought my kids might out me for uh, imposing dad taxes. Like, when they ask for something open, they normally get a dad tax taken out, except on Sundays. So they know a little bit about this dirty business. (laughs) These dishonest gangsters stepping on the necks of the poor, right? But Jesus addresses Matthew, and he turns that situation, like Matthew is probably closer to like a mobster, and he turns it into a merciful feast. Pretty unexpected outcome there, to be honest. Jesus... His presence and address is custom to the critical Pharisees who, like, throw a flag on this whole endeavor. He kind of deflects. He he basically tells them, you're not my primary audience right now. (laughs) If you want to get called by me, get off your high horse and get low with us. That's what he's telling them. Again, a very different message. Jesus encounters a scared and privileged dad, and he re-diagnoses his daughter. He recasts his family's whole future in her situation, not death, just sleeping. And then Jesus encounters the desperate outcast woman. It is not a good thing to be bleeding in the world of the Old or New Testament, and this woman was bleeding for a long time. She was not a person that, that was welcomed and not a person who received a lot of care or touch. And he affirms her faith because she clung to him as her hope. Out of all these interactions, the only group that needed to be confronted or convinced of their own sickness were the religious folks who had the nerve to tell Jesus he was kind of doing this God thing wrong. Let those with ears hear, right? Everyone else though, even those who had these barriers, usually blinded by greed and ambition, knew how to work the system, even one usually kind of buffered by security and power, even the one usually set several layers outside of the realm of access, all come to participate in their own healing by coming to, by receiving from, by being touched by and spoken to by Jesus. So the invitation goes out also to us, each in our particular places, our situations, our histories, our presence, where it seems our futures are aimed. Will we let Jesus be our teacher? Will we let him be our guide? Will we let him be our host? Will we let him be our healer? Will we let him get close enough to us to touch us? Because healthy people don't need a doctor, it says, but sick people do. And in this world, we should all be in search of and open to God's healing. From our pride and arrogance, we can be healed from abuse and exclusion. We can be healed from injustice and violence perpetrated on us by others, we can be healed from our own sin, but also from the, the gears and the slavery to the patterns of this world which damage and dehumanize, we can and we must be healed. But how? <laughs> There's a, a direct correlation in these stories between invitation and inclusion, but also with physical presence and proximity and healing is kind of what happens if you want to receive healing from jesus you have to come close to jesus and he'll come close to you and that has to happen again and again and again and there's no one paradigm for how to do that reaching out and snagging a corner of jesus's clothes heals this woman so does coming face to face It also means for us that we might need to be embedded and immersed in a community that Jesus calls his body in this world. That's how the math works for us now. If we want to come close to Jesus, we have to come close to Jesus' body, his hands, his feet, all these different parts put together in this local place, filled with the Spirit. Jesus has no imagination for long-distance healing relationships, like Um, I don't think they have them anymore because there are easier and more targeted internet ways to get money off of people. But the old televangelists used to have, like, you can put your hand up on the screen. Jesus doesn't really, like, I cannot imagine Jesus being into that on many different levels, right? But Jesus knows and Jesus shows that healing happens by touch, by nearness, by proximity, by parties, by contact. I realize there's some irony in the statement that um, healing happens by touch, by physical touch, um, because physical touch has also been a lot of the way abuse has happened, especially in church settings. Like I'm thinking right now, like the... Uh, raise your hand if you're watching Shiny Happy People or or have finished it, right? Yeah. and and the story of the IBLP and like physical touch was precisely the mechanism by which abuse happened. Um, In some sense, so knowing our sickness, our prone to being sick, our our ways that we can even use good things in bad ways, it should should maybe not um, have us completely avoid um, being close to people and coming close to people but it should temper our confidence that we can always and only do that perfectly and it should not stop us from coming to Jesus again and again and again healing is possible still and healing happens like Pastor Meg said in so many different ways in these stories I love just this like kind of mashup of all these different ways of healing Jesus heals these characters socially. That happens by passing the wine amongst a bunch of brutes. Jesus heals these characters physically by touching a little girl's hand and having his robe touched by the bleeding woman. Jesus heals these characters spiritually by confronting the self-righteousness of the religious elite who thought they understood purity and sacrifice but lacked any imagination for mercy. Jesus' presence also short-circuits the kind of cynicism that says that healing can't happen, that only sees the reality of death, but doesn't see the possibility for healing. Again, caution here. This isn't bright-siding. I think it's just that we need to consistently be opened up and reopened to God's work that is happening here now among us. It's happening even in times and places where it doesn't seem like it's happening. That's kind of an ordinary time way of being. A lot is going on even though we can't see it or might not be aware of it. And ordinary time happens in the wake of Easter. And I I don't know about y'all, I grew up around water. And when I think of something happening in the wake, I don't think of a jet ski wake, I think of like a giant ship that creates this wake that you might be inside even if you don't realize that you're inside and and you can't do anything about it but you can only live in the wake of something that big and momentous that means the the pain and humiliation of of every friday is haunted by the surprise of good of of easter of resurrection that sorrow and despair of saturday gives way to hope and life on sunday that's what it means to live in this wake So now we always must now read these stories and our lives in light of what God has done in Christ by the Spirit. That's how healing is possible for us. This This is what this season is about for us, this ordinary time. It is about being transformed by the renewing of our minds. It is about being healed. It's about finding our hearts and our bodies drawn towards Jesus and, to- and also drawn towards those who Jesus is drawn towards. It's about calling out. It's about reaching out to Christ. Maybe it's about remembering how to do that. And maybe it's been a while. Maybe the call is to come back and to come home. And it's also a call to join in celebration when others find Hope and healing and joy in God. Friends, will you all pray with me? Lord Jesus, we give you thanks. Um, We give you thanks for these examples of healing. We give you thanks that they're they're different situations and and we give you thanks that we might even imagine our own situations in your hands. Uh, Lord, help us. Come to you again and again. Help us um, go with you to others in need of your healing and help us be a healing place uh, in a place of rest and hospitality for others. We give you thanks for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.